Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Hey, you can take your seats and um, it's a privilege to come and speak. Thanks so much, Steve, for doing that. And um, Pastor Jerry has been preaching recently on, on the theme of that we all have two ministries, two ministries, that we actually have a ministry here in the church, and then we have a ministry into the community. So in church, you know, you might uh, have the ministry of your part of the global kids team, and you get to speak and into young kids great things about God and the Bible. Awesome. What a fantastic ministry. I can't think of much better than that, right? Pretty awesome. So you do that. But in your everyday work life, you're an accountant, you know, and so you represent Jesus when you are teaching kids about the Word of God. And then equally, when you go to work as an accountant, you represent God in that you do that with integrity. Hey, the way that you interact with your the other colleagues represents God well, that you're, you're looking to take opportunity, if you can, to talk to people about God. And you see your work as a ministry. You know, someone's got a need, you're looking to pray for that need, you're looking to be there to speak to them. You know, our whole life should be ministry, but often we can kind of get compartmentalized, where we think, well, this is the ministry stuff and that's just work, you know, or this is the ministry stuff and that's just home life. No, 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 all of it is ministry, and all of us should think about, hey, I've got two ministries, I've got two ministries, and I remember when I first kind of started to get a hold of this concept, you know, I'd I'd come into the church, I'd come from this background of drugs, and I just kind of landed in church by a series of random circumstances that I now know is the grace of God, you know, and I remember I got to church, and I was there, and I don't know how long I've been there, I don't don't know, maybe a year, and uh, I remember some people came to me, the kids team leaders, and they said, hey, we'd love to help you. We'd love to have you come and be part of the kids' team. And I laughed at them, literally, out loud. <laughs> I said, you're joking, right? They said, no, 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 we're deadly serious. We think you'd be great. I said, you're joking. You said, you don't want a recovering drug addict, you know, speaking into impressionable young minds. You know, this is, this is not wisdom, people. And I've only been here five minutes and I know that, you know. And they, they were seeing something in me I couldn't yet see, you know. And they said, no, no, look, we think you're great. Look, you're not going to do anything great. We'd love you to pour some orange juice and I do some other stuff. And so I said, oh, sure, I'll come along, you know. And I started to get a hold of, hey, I've got a role to play in the church. There's something for me to do here, you know. And, and, and at the same time, I was studying uh, film and television at university. And I thought that that was the career that I would go into. And, but I remember that I had a revelation as I was studying that, hey, actually, I'm supposed to be, you know, having a ministry in the church, but also where I'm at located. And so at my university, you know, I just found people in my class, people knew I was a Christian. I would just let people know, not, not weirdly, but if they said, what are you doing Sunday? I'd say, I'm going to church. Or, you know, and then I would find when people had challenges, when no one was looking, they'd come and speak to me about them. It was crazy. It was like I, just, I could kind of minister to people at uni just by listening to their problems, you know, and, and talking with them. And, and, you know, and then I'd sometimes get an opportunity to invite people to church. And I saw some of my, my friends from to come to church and make a decision for Jesus. It was awesome, you know. And, um, and others would kind of give me some grief and, you know, a bit of stick. I can deal with that, you know. But it was, that was all part of it, you know. And, 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 and I remember then thinking, hey... Actually, whatever I do go to do in my life, whatever job I do, whether I go into film and TV or whether I know I become a laborer on a building site, whatever I end up doing, I can, I can have a ministry in that. You know what I mean? I can just love people, serve people, 
you know, have an opportunity to invite them to church, have them come see Jesus. You know, I kind of got a hold of this revelation. It transformed my life because I got a hold of, hey, we all were called to ministry. We were all called to ministry. And it was some time after that I felt a call to actually, you know, kind of paid ministry, which is that very few people have that. But we're all called to ministry, you know. And so I want to encourage you in that. To, to think again about that concept. You know, maybe you haven't, maybe this is the first time you're thinking about it. Or maybe you've kind of grasped that and maybe lost it a bit. But I want to provoke you this morning to think about it. This week, um, I had the real privilege to sit down with a professor from uh, ECU who's part of a research team that's doing a research project on Tenacious House, which is a residential program we have the privilege to run or start as a church that helps young men who are dealing with drugs uh, and alcohol and, and co-occurring mental health conditions. And so, so we've, we've, we started that and now what's happened is that the, the ECU is doing a research paper on why our model of therapy works because it's different to other places. And it's crazy because we, 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 God just told us when we started, hey, don't just do it for people with addiction, but do it for people also struggling with mental health. And now that's evolved and now it just turns out that the Mental Health Commission, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to combine AOD and mental health and treat them together. Because what can happen is someone can go to... Um, the emergency department of the hospital because they're suicidal. They go into the mental health campus there. They're, they're looked after. And then they find out, oh, you've got a drug issue or an alcohol issue as well. Okay, you need to go to rehab. They send them to rehab. And the rehab says, oh, you have an underlying mental health condition. Oh, you need to get that sorted out first. And so they kind of go back and forth. Yeah. You know, so neither place can kind of deal with them. So what we're um, uh, hoping to better continue to do is to look after those people by actually treating both things at once, which is pretty cool, hey? And, and what's really cool is that, um, that when that came, that was just a God thing that God said to us, and then it just turns out that the Mental Health Commission, I think like that. So, so this research paper is, or, or report is being produced by the university to see why it works. And, and, and as I was being interviewed, so they're interviewing myself, some of the people who were involved in Sonic Graham, Pastor Jared, um, and also the staff at Tenacious, uh, Mark, Amy, others, and then some past participants. And they were, all, I was being interviewed by this interviewer, and she was saying to me, tell me how it started. So I started to tell her just a bit of the story. And then she said, so, so, so who actually got off the ground? And so I was saying, well, Pastor Jared came up with the idea, got a little group together, like a working group. We just told people, people interested got involved. Then people from our church started to volunteer and serve. Then we found a house, someone from church gave us the house to use. You know, then we found someone from church who, you know, was actually lived there, who was the first paid person. And so they said, okay, so how many other people were paid? I'm like, oh, no one else was paid. Really? You know, and she was, seemed surprised by that. And then I was saying, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then we kept talking. Then she said, so who paid for that? I said, no, there wasn't any, no one was paid. It's, you know, we had this one, one person was paid, no one else. So she said, so all these volunteers are coming in. You're giving your time. Graham's giving his time. All these people, are, and you're giving, you know, days a week, but you're not paid any extra. And I said, no, 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 we're just, and then I suddenly realized, oh, hang on a minute. Like, we have a serving culture, right? But actually, this isn't a normal thing. You know, I'm suddenly kind of get the tickets dropping. You know, I'm like, oh, right, the penny's dropping. So I'm saying to her, oh. I said, so look, we come from a culture within the church where we just serve. She goes, oh, right. So she goes, she goes isn't it amazing how people of faith seem to draw other people of faith and amazing things seem to happen. <laughs> it is, isn't it? You know, <laughs> I wanted to say it's what we, who we have faith in, but it didn't seem the time, you know. But, uh, but hey, how, how awesome is God? Because I was thinking... That's what we do. 
That's what we do. Actually, we get a hold of, I have a ministry in the church, I have a ministry in the community, and I, I meet needs. You know, and that's how these incredible things that we do as a church are birthed from. And this whole concept of being like that comes from a doctrine called the priesthood of all believers. It's that there isn't a select group of people who do ministry, but all believers do ministry. There isn't priests. No, no, everybody's a priest. Everybody's a minister. Everybody serves. Yes, God gives some gifts, absolutely, to do specific tasks, but all of us are called to minister. And um, there was a church, churches that have come out of lockdown, some churches have been kind of nervous or, or concerned about, oh, volunteers, you know, or what we call Global Heart Team, will they be on board as we come out of COVID? And one pastor in the US kept having nightmares that basically he was going to go back to church and there wouldn't be the volunteers to run it, you know? And uh, so his church made a kind of like a preview, movie preview about his nightmare. So check this out. What? Where is everybody? Hello? Heather, hey, I'm backstage. People are showing up to church, but there's no volunteers. Where is everybody? much time. I'm down in promised land. Send help. Hey, hey, don't hang up on me. Clary! 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 I think someone forgot to take the offering. Come on. Hey, this is done by volunteers, hey. This is done by Global Heart Team. This isn't done by a person or a team of people, but this is done by everybody playing their part and playing their role. And I want to encourage you, this concept of that we have a ministry in the church and we have a ministry in our everyday life, this, this concept in the Bible is called the priesthood of all believers. And this is not a new thing. Right at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Exodus, it says this. Verse, it's chapter 19, verse 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation set apart for my purpose. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. So God is saying right at the outset to his people, hey, your purpose is that actually all of you minister. You're never supposed to have an elite group of priests, but actually everybody carries responsibility. Everybody can hear from God. Everybody can read the word and interpret it. Everybody can pray and encounter God and communicate with God. This isn't for some people. This is for all believers. And so right in Exodus, he's talking about it. But Israel, they never, they never came into the fulfillment of that. 
They never came into the fullness of that. He said they had this tribe of the Levites who were the priests and they would run the, the, the temple and people would come to the temple and they would sacrifice the animals for, the, for their sins you know, and the remission of their sins and, and the, the Levites would intercede for God from the people, the request of the people and they would hear from God and deliver it to the people. When the people came to the temple there was an area for the people that there was a special area called the holy area for the priest and there was the holy of holies where the chief priest could go in at certain times into the actual presence of God where the ark of the covenant and the presence of God actually dwelt so there was God there was an intermediary there was man and but God never intended it to be that way and then what happened was that God sent his son Jesus to deal with this one time for all time. So Jesus comes to earth, fully man, fully God, lives a life just like you and me, yet never sins. At the end of his life, willingly goes to the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole of humanity, a one-time sacrifice. No more keep on coming, but a one-time deal that's for your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin, all taken care of by him dying in our place on the cross. So he dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, proving that he is God, and the whole of humanity is ushered into this new season, this fulfillment of the priesthood of all believers, that all now can come directly to God. And what was so profound was, it was as a sign that this was taking place, when Jesus died upon the cross and breathed his last breath and surrendered his life, it says that the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies was torn in two. That actually what, what this, this separation was just a curtain and it was ripped in two. It says from the top to the bottom that people might now come into the presence of God. It's why now in the praise and worship service, you know, as before we before I preached, you can feel the tangible presence of God. You know, it was, it was awesome. In the 9 a.m. and in the 11, you could just feel the presence of God. We're able to, do you know, you can, you can encounter the presence of God in your car. You can go into the Holy of Holies in your car, right? In your bedroom, right? In your break at work when you're walking around the block. At any time you can enter into that most close place with God, all because of what Jesus has done. So Jesus intends for all of us to now live in this priesthood of all believers. And another thing happened that's so important. At Pentecost, there was a bunch of believers. Jesus, you know, they followed Jesus. He's died for the sins of the world. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. They're now left with this big promise, right? And there's a bunch of people. It says they were uneducated, most of them, right? They, they weren't people who were, were priests or anything like that, right? And they're in this little room praying to God, and it says the Holy Spirit fell on them. And they empowered them to begin to take this message across the world. People who, like who? Just like you and me just like you and me, average, everyday people that surrender life to Jesus, he would then begin to use them to carry this message to the whole planet and this whole concept of the priesthood of all believers. So I want to encourage us. This is what God wants to do in us and through us. He wants you to have a ministry here in the church. He wants you to have a ministry out in the community. And 1 Peter 2.5 explains it like this. Like living stones, let yourself be assembled into a spiritual house. A holy order of priests who offer up spiritual sacrifices that will be acceptable to God through Jesus the anointed. Come on, you're a priest that's called to minister. 
in a church and in your home and in your workplace and in the world. And just imagine this if every believer got a hold of this. That actually if every believer didn't say, oh, it's Sunday, it's church day. But they said, man, it's Monday, it's work day. Come on, I'm now going to really do that. I was encouraged on Sunday at church, but now I'm really going to minister, you know. Or hey, I ministered at church on Sunday. I was on the car park, I was greeting people, I was welcoming people who were nervous, who were meeting their friend for the first time at church. I had a ministry and then in my work, man, I've got ministry now as I go to work. Come on, imagine how the world would be changed and transformed. And I want to encourage you that we can think that we've got to, um, I don't know, kind of be preaching the gospel all the time or, or be kind of super spiritual or something to do that, but you haven't. You haven't. All we have to do is just be, be ourselves in people's presence and let people know I go to church you know one of the things that you know I do as a, as a hobby you know obviously I work for the church so in my workplace I don't have the privilege of being around many non-Christians or there might be a couple around no I'm joking right so so I have a hobby and I race radio control cars right so so this is guys who get together who race carnival real cars so they race toy ones right so I, I go and do that and it gets serious we're right into it we spend a lot of time these things like it's 120 k's within 40 meters this thing's going off right there's lighting system it's all it's legit right and we ride into it and so I'm there I'm still a Christian when I'm there you know what I mean? I'm still a Christian, right? I'm not a pastor because that's actually a barrier to them. They find out I'm a pastor, that's actually a barrier, right? But, but I, I can let them know that I'm a Christian. So how do I do that? Someone will say, saying, what are you doing tomorrow? Because we do it on Saturday. I say, what you I say oh, I'm going to church. Oh, you go to church? You know, that's an, often enough, right? And then what I find is just by being around these people, they will say to me, hey, I've got this going on in my life. And I'll say, hey, let me pray for you. Okay, yeah, okay, sure. Are you going to pray at home now? Let me pray now. Oh, all right. I was put my, can't put my hand on his shoulder? All right. You pray, and then they might say, oh, I felt something. You know, or they might not. They might just say, thank you for praying. You know, or they might say, don't pray now, pray at home. I say, that's fine. You know, then what I find is, you know, people then say, will say to me, hey, can I come to your church? Seriously, can I come to your church? I haven't invited them. They just say, could I come? If we will just be Jesus, right, live out our regular everyday faith life, it will impact people in the boardroom, in the classroom, wherever we are. If we're actually living for Jesus, it's going to impact people, you know. I, I've, I also, you know, go to recovery groups because, you know, I used to be a heroin addict. So I'm on this recovery journey, and so I go to groups where other people are finding recovery. And, and I will just, again, just let people know that I go to church. People often then as well find out I'm a pastor, and they tell, tell other people, and they talk about me. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they'll make fun of me too. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, you know, they'll, they'll make fun of me. I say, yeah, yeah, I laugh, go along with it, you know. And then what I've found is now heaps of those people have come to church. I don't mean one or two. I, I mean there could be 30. Like there's people all, in all of our services, I see people every week who've come through that connection or have come through someone who I invited who's now invited someone else, you know. And so I say all that to say this isn't, you haven't got to do anything special, all you've got to do is be a Christian, you know, and basically let people know you are one, you know. And if someone's got a problem, offer to pray, you know, and, and be available to people to talk and listen to them and generally care, you know. Basically, it's, it's that simple. But God wants to use us in the fullness of our lives to see people helped and encouraged. You know that the church got birthed through this priesthood of all believers. Everyday people all playing their part. The church accelerated across the planet. But you, what as often happens and can happen in organizations is the church actually forgot this truth. 
The church forgot this truth. In the Middle Ages or the medieval period, which they say is approximately 476 AD to 1500 AD, during that period, really the church reverted back to really an Old Testament type practice where priests would lead a liturgy, people would come and participate of that, and people believed that, hey, through the acts that the church does, I'll be saved. And also that basically the priest really is a mediator between me and God. The priest is a mediator between me and God. The church really kind of went backwards, you know. People believed that they would come to church if they got baptized in water, took Holy Communion, had confirmation, which is dedicating your kids, you know, penance, which was basically self-punishment for sin, anointing with oil, which they called Holy Unction. I had to look that up. I was like, Holy Unction, what does that mean? It means being anointed with oil, marriage, and the ordination of other priests. They believed that through these practices, people became Christians, not through faith alone in Jesus Christ, not through you come to faith in Jesus, you have a personal relationship. No, no, no. You, you come, you you go by this pattern. Yes, you now call yourself a Christian, but we'll teach you, we'll talk to you how to behave, what you should do, how you should act. There was no sense of, hey, I can go to God for myself. Hey, there certainly wasn't a sense of, I can read the scripture for myself. And so what happened was uh, the church got super unhealthy. Leaders, priests had more influence and control than they should have, and people were not living out this priesthood of all believers. And, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, and I was thinking, wow. You know, that, that's crazy how that happened. Then I started to think about it for my own life. And I can see, I can see um, a temptation to, to fall into that kind of thinking, even in my own life. And so I'm going to put to you a medieval Christianity checkup. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. If you answer yes to two, to two or more of these questions, you might be a medieval Christian. You with me? You ready? Come on. First one's this. First question, you listen to preaching on the Bible more than you read the Bible yourself. Ooh. You will, one, second question. Remember, you only got to say yes to two or more and you may be a medieval Christian. Number two, you rely more on the prayers of others than on your own. You base, number three, you base evidence of your being a Christian on, oh, I go to church or, oh, I've been baptized rather than on God being a powerful reality in your daily life. You attend church, but you don't serve. You don't represent God in your home and your workplace. You kind of leave your Christianity at church. You rarely pray for people. You rarely invite people to church or share your faith. If you answer yes to two or more of those, it's possible that you're slipping into a medieval type of Christianity, which is basically it's through what we do. I'm a Christian by, by I come to church. I participate in some activities rather than my life is lived out in a way that is blessing people, serving people, helping people, witnessing to people, drawing people to God. You know that there was a guy called Martin Luther and he got so kind of frustrated. He was a, a priest and he was a theologian, a scholar, and uh, an academic really. And he became so frustrated at the way the church was behaving in the Middle Ages that he wrote a thesis called 95 Thesis. And he nailed it to church doors, basically saying, to people, you need to read this. And it was in 1517. And he said some really cool things in there. He, one of the things he said was this. This is quoting him. Everyone who has been baptized may claim that they already have been consecrated a priest, bishop, or pope. So listen, that means you can go on your LinkedIn account today and you can put pope. Come on. Now, wonder they wanted him dead, hey? So he also said this, let everyone therefore who knows themselves to be a Christian be assured of this and apply it to themselves that we are all priests and there is no difference between us. Wow. 
Wow. He's making a declaration, something that's been forgotten by the church, that actually every believer can connect to God. Every believer can pray and can hear from God. Every believer can read the scripture and interpret it and have God interpret it and reveal things to them. Every believer can be of service to other believers and, can, and to other people in humanity and can minister. This week, Pastor Mari and I visited an elderly man in our church, 88 years old. Loves God, right? We went to visit him because he hadn't been well. And we went there really, you know, we wanted, wanted to minister to him. We wanted to pray for him, encourage him, maybe share something from the Word of God. And me and Pastor Mari went in there and, and we sat down. He, he went to get up. We said, don't get up, don't get up. You know, he was frail. He said, hey, stay in your chair. You know, we've come to, to be of service to you. And, uh, and, and then he starts talking. Talks to us about some of his medical situation. And then he said, let's pray. And then he prayed for about 15 minutes. He prayed for himself, for his wife, for his kids, for Pastor Mari, for me. It was awesome. I could feel God. It was powerful. I then prayed for one minute, and Pastor Mari prayed for one minute. Yeah. This guy gets a hold of the concept of the priesthood of all believers. Yeah, he's not needing us to come and minister to him. He actually takes an opportunity to minister to us. Yeah, he gets a whole, he's living out this very concept that he's basically saying, hey, I'd love you to pray for me, but let me pray for you too. <laughs> you know, because I'm also anointed to do that. I thought, that's his bang on. This is, this is exactly as it should be. I felt so encouraged after being in his presence. It literally was, we went to minister, but we got ministered too. Yeah, we are all part of this priesthood of all believers. We can all enter into this and just it'd be great if the band could come out just the last thing I want to share with you is this the Latin word for priest means bridge maker bridge maker I love it I love it God wants to use you and I as a bridge when, when we serve in church, he wants to use us as a bridge to connect people to God. You know, whatever we do in church, we're setting an atmosphere and an environment where people are a better place to cross that bridge to come into relationship with Jesus, right? But also, everything that we do in our everyday life, the everyday life, the way we conduct our affairs with integrity, the way that we operate in our workplace with integrity and, and, and looking to, to bless and serve and help people where, where we're not too busy to really listen to someone and, and ascertain, hey, where are you really at? We're looking for opportunities to pray for people. We're looking for opportunities to say, hey, man, why don't you come to church? Or, or maybe we're going to say to them, hey, why don't you bring your kids along to Neon Night Party? This is alternative Halloween thing we do. It's awesome. Why don't you come to Christmas? But we're looking all the time opportunities where we can be a bridge, where we can see people, we can lead people into the presence of God, where we can all be a, a, a holy group of priests. We're not waiting for the pastor to do it or the anointed person to do it or the person who's better at talking or the person who knows everything. But hey man, we're just doing the best we can with what we got and we're trusting God to do the rest. So I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, if you step out just where you are, you don't need any more knowledge. You don't need to be a Christian any longer. You don't, need, you don't need anything. You've got everything you need if your faith is in Jesus. Your, your qualification is your faith and your trust is in Him. Come on, why don't you stand? We're going to worship God together. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online 
every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.